0: So, when I heard that it was... um, Amelia asked, said, are you preaching? And when I heard it was Hebrews 11, I thought, that's easy. It's a long list of people of faith. And what happened? We got everything from that chapter except the long list of people with faith. We just get the introduction and we just get the end. And we don't get the story of Abraham's faith and David's faith and all the other people with faith. So, it isn't as easy to talk about as I thought it would be when I said yes to Amelia a week ago. But never mind. Um, we do have this story of faith. And if you look at the notice board outside, we're starting a four-week series leading up to Lent. What is faith? We are a people of faith. Can we? If we asked around, I bet there'd probably be as many different answers to the question, what is faith, as there are people here this morning. So let's start with the first bit that it says faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for, and then we'll go on and list those ancients. But what is it that we hope for? And what is it that we do not see? Because if you do read the story of the people, and if you read the last bit, that it says here they were all commended for their faith but none of them received what had been promised and we have a situation where here people are having faith in what God has promised but they don't live long enough to see it come about but they had faith that it would come about and he's saying partly they didn't see it because we have The coming of Jesus was what they had faith in. God's Messiah was coming. But of course we know that they were also expecting the Messiah to do lots of things that he didn't do. And so we still have to continue to have faith that his kingdom will come. That's what they were commended for. Verse 3 is very interesting. By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. And that gives us permission to have faith in what God is going to do. So by looking back, we know that creation was done by God. Therefore, looking forward, we know he's going to restore it to what he intended it to be. That's what he's saying. And of course, we've got a problem with that. Because we're living here 200 years after people started saying, ah, God didn't do it. Creation isn't God's business. Creation has happened by chance. There's been billions of years of random events which have caused creation to happen. And even though we listen to all that that David Attenborough and others say, we, and we're going, yeah, but God did it that way. Yeah, but God did it that way. The message is always... It just happened. It just happened. And we have had, in a sense, the assurance of the past chipped away so that our assurance of the future perhaps becomes less strong. And we need to regain that sense. This place, everything we see, is God's work and ignore the messages that say, no, it's just chance, it's just random. Because understanding that God did it gives us confidence and assurance that Jesus God will accomplish what he's promised. Verse 39, they were all commended for their faith, none of them received what had been promised. Sometimes, because we've sort of had faith chipped away, we've come to the point of thinking, well, if you just believe that if you pray for, I don't know what, healing, money, if you just believe enough, that's what faith is, therefore you'll get it. That's not what this passage is saying. This passage isn't talking about our day-to-day needs, it's talking about having faith that God's kingdom will come. That actually, in the end, God is going to remake his creation to be like it was in the beginning, before Adam and Eve ate the fruit. God had planned something better for us, so only together with us will they be made perfect. We live with the something better. We live with God's Holy Spirit filling us, guiding us, because of what Jesus gave to us that's the something better that enables us to pray your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven so that's faith it's believing that God will sort it all out even though at the moment maybe we don't have complete ability to see it happening the other passage we've got about being the salt of the earth. There's also one that sort of asks odd questions, isn't it? If salt loses its saltiness, and I was thinking, can salt lose its saltiness? I thought, let's have an experiment. Here is salt. Let's put some of it in here. Would anyone like a taste? No. <laughs> no one would like a taste of this salt. What about if I put sugar with it? And mix it all up. Will it still taste like salt? Will you still taste the salt? You reckon? Who wants to try? (laughs) A little bit, but it's not horrible. And if I carried on doing that... This is for the coffee later. There is still a salty taste. But it's not quite so sharp and quite so profound as it was. If we carry on with that amount of salt, but a bigger container, and carry on adding sugar, eventually it would be very hard to taste the salt, wouldn't it? Each grain of salt remains as salty as it was, but the effect of the salt is less and less and less as the sugar is added you are the salt of the earth but if salt loses its saltiness how can it be made salty again going back to what we just said about trusting God and having faith God did the creating therefore God will do the recreating the more the nonsense gets thrown at us that over billions of years, it was just random chance. It wasn't God. It just happened. There's evolution. It's just the way, you know, you leave a, you leave a cat around for a few billion years, it'll become a rhinoceros, whatever. That's what they say. The more we absorb it, the less confident we are that God is God. And that. I use that example because that's the one the passage had, creation. It's all sorts of things, isn't it? The more we absorb what the world says, we don't lose our sortiness at one level, but it gets sugared out. And we need to be constant coming back to what God says and say, no, this is the truth. David Attenborough might be a great television presenter, but he hasn't got the truth. We have the truth. And we need to remember that. I don't know how to get that back to being salty. I think I'll just have to throw it away. And that's what Jesus said. Once you've lost it, what can you do with it? And it, The Bible teaches us something else about salt. In 2 Chronicles 13, 5. It said, don't you know that the Lord, the God of Israel, has given the kingship of Israel to David and his descendants forever by a covenant of salt. And that was the covenant. Salt was one of the most valuable things they had. I'm sure you know that our word salary comes from the the Latin word for salt because Roman soldiers were paid with a bag of salt because it was the most precious thing. It kept their food fresh. I wish I hadn't eaten that salt, actually. Um, it kept their food fresh. It was important. And therefore, when they made a covenant, they exchanged salt as a seal of that covenant. And when Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth, it's sa- he's saying, you are what God has given this planet as a covenant sign that he is for people. That he is for the people on this planet. That's the message. And you know what? We started with, this is what faith is. Faith is believing that God will do it. When God says you are sought, he's really saying, I've got faith in you. I have my faith in you. Not that every single minute of every single day you will get it right, but that you, my people, will be declaring and showing my kingdom on this planet until I do come and get it all right and put it all right. So when you pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, I have faith that you'll be acting out what you're praying. I have faith that when you walk around, you will do things that just improve my kingdom or just demonstrate my kingdom. He says, you are the light of the world. Which reminds us of course of our own motto, uh, standing on the rock of Jesus, shining his light to all we meet, there's a lighthouse collage over there, reminding us that that's what we're supposed to be doing, that's, that, that's our mission statement as a church, that we will remember Jesus, we will remain sorty, and we will shine light out to each other and beyond this building to wherever we happen to go, be that our neighbors, uh, Sainsbury's, no one's at work, so, oh, some some of us at work. Sorry, Sandra, sorry, Sandra. Um, So workplace, wherever we happen to be, we will shine his light, even if we're not with the other people. Don't put a bucket over your light. If light is put... you know, if you, No one puts a light under a bucket, he says, because what's the point of that? They didn't have plastic in those days, but if we did it now, it would just melt. Um, but it covers the light. Don't cover the light. Don't go, oh, if I do that, they'll think I'm all super spiritual. Just do what you know is the right thing, wherever you happen to be. And finally, Jesus talks about... The commandments and the law. And he says, I haven't come to abolish it. I've come to fulfill it. Jesus is the only person who ever kept all of those Old Testament commandments perfectly. No one else has ever done it. Not just the Ten Commandments, but all the other bits that they had to do as Jews as well. We don't have to do those things because that's not the covenant we're under. But the Ten Commandments stay there. They are still there in front of us. Jesus kept them. Most of us break some of them. Because he said, even if you just think, I hate someone, you've committed murder. He made it very, very clear that these commandments are not just about actions, but they're about intentions. And he said, I've come to actually obey those commandments. In a way that no one else can. And do you know what he did at the cross? He took our sin. We all know that. Jesus took our sin at the cross. But do you know what else he did? It says he gave us his righteousness. So I have obeyed all his commandments. I am giving that to you. So when God looks at you, it looks like you've obeyed all the commandments. So when he starts saying your righteousness has to be greater than the righteousness of the Pharisees, what he's saying is I'm giving you the righteousness that makes you right with God and you will look more righteous than those who try really hard without necessarily trying really hard. So our faith is in his promises even though we find it hard. We find it hard to remember that God is. His creator therefore we find it hard to remember that he is going to sort everything out once more the way he originally planned it we forget that because we forget that we need to be sorty and remember things and not let that get sweetened out of us and be sure of what he has done for us and he has faith in us That in the meantime we will demonstrate his kingdom to this world. There'll be a song on the screen during the communion which picks up some of those words, set your church on fire, win this nation back, change the atmosphere, build your kingdom here, we pray. So as we go out into this week let's try to remember that we are salt and try to discern what is sugar And like the government says, cut sugar out of your diet. Amen.